All right, fam. Welcome back. I am again here with my illustrious co-host. Well, my name is Ben Kemper, by the way. I have the honor of serving as lead pastor. And with my wonderful, incredible, astonishing, astounding, <laughs> illustrious co-host, the Grace Markwell. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Unit 2. <laughs> so today we are going to be talking about um, Noah. And as always, we're starting with the patriarchs. And the first step is to connect the dots. So, Grace, would you fill us in? Uh, a couple things happened between when we left off with Adam in the garden and we're picking up with Noah. So connect the dots between those two narratives. Yeah. So we leave off with Adam and Eve. They were banished out of the garden. And the first thing we see happen is they have kids. They have these sons named Cain and Abel. Um, Long story short, Cain ends up murdering his brother Abel. And so, so we, you think you have sibling <laughs> conflict? Like you would look at the first. <laughs> go read, go read pre uh, pre Noah, but we see that sin just continues to fill the earth. Um, Adam and Eve were just the beginning; it just keeps getting worse and worse. And so, already by Genesis six, we see that the Bible actually describes God seeing the wickedness of the earth, and it says that He regrets that he ever made man and we could get into a whole conversation about that in short that's an anthropomorphism to say that god was displeased with what was going on yes yes um and it says that he's grieved to the heart but he finds one man named noah who walks righteously with him and so god has favor on noah and so god basically tells noah hey i'm going to send a flood to wipe out everyone on earth to judge the sin that has been going on and noah's job is to build an ark which is a giant boat um and noah is to get his family so his wife and his sons and his son's wives there's eight of them in total and they're gonna gather up animals and they are going to be closed into the ark to be preserved um and that is just the favor that god has on noah and his family and so that's what noah does he's obedient even though he'd never seen rain in his life but he was obedient and trusted that what god said was going to happen and it did god sent the flood he preserves noah his family and all those animals that were on the ark with noah and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights but they were actually in the ark for about 370 days which is a long time right that's <laughs> i mean talk about more family conflict <laughs> yeah um but after 370 days the waters were dried from the earth completely and god let noah and his family leave the ark yeah so what we're going to be reading in genesis um the first reading in genesis 8 going to genesis 9 is kind of what happens in the aftermath of mm-hmm. that and it's the very first time especially in chapter 9 it, it really keys in on this but it's the idea of covenant mm-hmm. and it's god creating a covenant with noah now when you hear that you might have heard the word covenant in a church context and think that's you know maybe fairly normal and but maybe not exactly sure what that means um this was probably wild to them, right? In an ancient uh, religious context, people people knew God, they try to appease the gods, but there was not the sense of relationship, mm-hmm. right? And so what God says is, I'm making a covenant with you. A covenant in their context was, it was a, it was a relational agreement. It was kind of like a contract. Yeah. Typically how a covenant worked is there was one person or one party, which was kind of the overlord, right? And then there was one party that was kind of like the vassal, kind of like state. And so the people who were the vassal, that were that was the the kind of inferior. Mm-hmm. They would oftentimes pay taxes, pay homage, work in best interest to the overlord. As a result of that, the overlord would then cause a sense of protection for them. Right? Um, this was common among people, but between people and God, this was this was wild, crazy. And so God says, "I am making a." 
covenant with you, yeah. which which had a relational component from the jump that was just so incredibly uncommon. Um, so as you read through that, I want you to see that, and I want you to not just read covenant and think, oh, interesting. I want you to see that in covenant and think that was mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about what that covenant said? What was what was God saying in that um, relationship-making promise with Noah? Yeah, so a lot of what he says is um, basically that I'm making a covenant between them. You can uh, go in like around verse 12. Uh, it says, you know, I'm making a covenant. This is a sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all the future generations that mm-hmm. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and bow is seen in clouds, and I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature in all flesh, um, that the water shall never again uh, become a flood to destroy all flesh. So interesting thing here with the covenant, and by the way, in this kind of like classic covenantal language, is that there is almost always a um, relationship. Mm-hmm. There's almost always a promise involved, what I'm going to do. Uh, and at the same time, there's almost always a sign yeah. of that covenantal promise, which in this case is the rainbow itself. Yeah. That's awesome. And so then we see um, later on, Isaiah refers back to this covenant. Um, And basically, Isaiah is in this crazy context of the Israelites being in exile, and they've been judged by God for their sin. But what Isaiah wants, or what God through Isaiah is reminding his people of, is that that same unfailing love that caused him to make that covenant with Noah is that same unfailing love that he still has for his people. Even when they have been judged for their sin, um, they can cling to that promise of peace and that promise of love that he gave to Noah all the way back then. And then we read in 2 Peter, so jumping to the New Testament after Jesus. In 2 Peter, um, Peter is warning his readers, hey, there is going to be a day of judgment. It's not going to be by water, but it is going to be a day of judgment and there's going to be destruction. But because of what Jesus has done, we can still cling to that unfailing love and still cling to that promise of peace. Um, God did not stop his unfailing love. He, he gave us a way to be safe in that unfailing love through what Jesus did. I love that. It's, it's, it's that classic Bible imagery of, of deliverance from the judgment, the inevitable judgment of God because yeah. of the promise of God that's yep. only due to the goodness of God himself. Yep. He lovingly chose and said, I love you. Um, that's beautiful. Well, Grace, awesome job putting this together, and I'm excited for everybody to, to take part, read, pick all this stuff apart, uh, and then jump back into Unit 3 in a couple days.